0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Hello and welcome to Squawkbox. Here are your headlines today. A price war puts pressure on Tesla's profit margins, sending shares lower in extended trade. While CEO Elon Musk writes off recession fears, forecasting stellar growth for the EV maker.
0: Yeah, in the long term, the uh, economy we think is going to just drive volume through the ceiling, next level.
1: A crackdown on password sharing pays off for Netflix as subscribers blow past estimates in the second quarter. But a miss on guidance drives shares 8% lower in after hours.
0: Elsewhere, we've got Goldman Sachs rounding out the roster of big bank earnings, posting its lowest quarterly profit in three years. This as the financial giant takes a bruising from a downturn in deal making. And we're gearing up for results from Volvo Cars, the Swedish automaker looking to build on its strong first quarter even as it faces price pressures from its EV rivals. We'll speak with the CEO, Jim Rowan, this hour.
1: And Netflix and Tesla both reported growth in key metrics for the second quarter, as investors eye the impact of the firm's strategy shifts. But both also left investors wanting more. Netflix's password-sharing crackdown appears to be bearing fruit. It gained almost 6 million new subscribers in the period, versus 1 million loss a year ago. In terms of uh, the net income, uh, that beat on refinitive estimates, but it missed on the top line, sending shares sharply down in after-hours trade. Co-CEO Greg Peters struck a positive note on the impact of the firm's password sharing Crackdown.
0: We've done a good job at building those features, we think, but also in a way that balances those user considerations with making sure that Netflix was able to get reasonably paid when we delivered entertainment to someone. So then, of course, we could invest that uh, into making the service better for everyone. As of today, we've now launched that experience in almost all the countries that we operate in, and we're seeing that it's working. We're positive in terms of both revenue and subscribers relative to to pre-launch in all of our regions.
1: Meanwhile, Tesla's price cuts didn't hurt the firm's profit growth as badly as some had feared, with net income up 20% for the quarter to 2.7 billion euros, billion dollars rather. Now, the EV maker managed to beat on revenue too, reporting almost $25 billion in sales for the period, but smaller margins did hit that top-line growth rate. On the earnings call, CEO Elon Musk cautioned investors that more price cuts might be on the horizon and gave his thoughts on the current macro environment.
0: When- interest rates rise dramatically, we actually have to reduce the price of the car because the, the, the interest payments increase the price of the car. Uh, so, and, and this is, the, the, at, least, at least up until recently, it was, the, I believe, the sharpest interest rate rise in history. Um, so we had to do something about that. Um, and if somebody's got a crystal ball for
2: the global economy, i really appreciate it if I could borrow that crystal ball
1: That sense, shares lower in extended trade. Well, Arjun joins us with more. Arjun, for me, there were a couple of points here for disappointment. One, the operating margin. I mean, many had been uh, just expelling the merits of the fact that this is double digits versus a lot of other automakers. Now we've seen the price cuts. It's not double digits. And what happened to the Cybertruck? We can't see when it's going to be parked on the horizon.
2: Yeah, two big issues. I think, well, look, on the margin front, I think I do still believe that investors are are fine with the slower margin for now, given the fact that Elon Musk uh, has signalled the fact that tesla is trying to gain share and they're happy for that to come at the expense of margin for now Uh, and the key is how does that ramp up Going forward, uh, how long is that going to last for? And I think we're expecting margins to stay under pressure this year, and perhaps uh, the uh, the view is that they'll ramp back up next year. The Cybertruck, however, was a big disappointment. And the reason there's so much focus on this is it's been a very, very long time since Tesla has released a brand new car, and this is supposed to be the big one coming forward. And there was huge delays with this car already. It should have been uh, rolling off the production line a couple of years ago. There's been uh, issues with supply chain, issues with being able to make this uh, thing, and we're Now uh, that there are still seems to be some niggles with the production process as well. Uh, And they said that production production would only really ramp up uh, next year in terms of a huge scale. So that's why there was big disappointment, I think, uh, around the production uh, cut. And also uh, the company signaled that production in the third quarter overall would also uh, slow down due to some of the factories being shut down as well. And of course, we know production is a key metric that a lot of the uh, investors in Tesla watch.
1: Dojo. Uh, forecasting ability here. I think we're going to hear a lot more about Dojo. This is a supercomputer. Sounds a little bit like Watson over at IBM, but Dojo is what Elon Musk is going to be working on.
2: Absolutely. And, and, and one of the big, I think, themes of this quarter for Tesla was there was a lot of focus on investment in technology. And we know that's going to be a theme, I think, across uh, tech earnings this season. We're going to hear a lot about AI investments. We're going to hear a lot about uh, supercomputing and and data models and training of these models. And and so you've heard it here with Tesla. Look, Tesla is very much, again, trying to position itself as not just an auto company. It's about the technology. It's about the future. Whenever we get the autonomous driving, Tesla is trying to say, we are leaders in this. And I think that the, the talk of Dojo here, uh, the talk of investing in this kind of technology is signaling to investors that we are, we are investing in technology really at the core of the business. So that's the story Tesla at least hopes will carry it forward in the future.
0: Are we getting carried away by the narrative that this is now Tesla versus the Chinese players? I only mention that because I've got a massive CEO coming up in a few moments time who's going to vehemently disagree with that narrative, I believe. We'll ask him that as well. But, I mean, um, what we were hearing yesterday from that you know, the excellent analyst we had on yesterday um, was actually, yeah, the European OEMs are under enormous pressure to, profit, to make profitable uh, electric vehicles.
2: Yeah, I mean, in China, Tesla has done very well, I think, to fend off some of the the intense competition from the Chinese player, particularly from the startups, it's uh, struggled a bit more against the larger player BYD, but it's certainly done very well in China in terms of making sure its cars uh, are some of the top best-selling models uh, through the country. I think in Europe here, uh, in terms of the European car makers, certainly uh, when it comes to uh, the threat from the Chinese players, we heard it yesterday, there, there is a threat over the long term if they don't move uh, quick enough. And I think technology really... Just one thing, sorry, Steve, just before I jump in. We, we were talking yesterday about what is, what is uh, the subscription model for Tesla, what is uh, the future in terms of how that plays out. One of the interesting things from the call uh, was that Tesla was signaling that it'd be open to licensing its full self-driving technology to other OEMs. I thought that was fascinating yeah. because if that is the case, well, all of a sudden te- Tesla becomes a technology player it beyond its own it's cost. About software,
0: not it's even about, about hardware.
2: Software. And that could be huge if yeah. it goes ahead with that. Right. Always with Stay time. with us
0: because we're going to have an absolutely fascinating different take on this now. Uh, come with the owl, come with the man. Uh, I just want to get straight to Jim Rowan, who's the CEO of Volvo Cars. Jim, we spent a lot of time just going on, as we do as a channel, as every channel does, about Tesla once again as well. There is a narrative out there. I don't know if you heard what we were saying beforehand, that this is now about Tesla margins versus China margins, Tesla sales versus China. You would utterly refute that, wouldn't you, and that the European players have got a massive role to play in electrification.
3: Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, you you look at our electrification journey itself. I mean, we're up... We're up hundred and seventy-eight percent year over year in terms of electric sales. We've we've more than doubled our electric sales in in the last year, and we've done that basically with you know with two cars, both of which are in the same segment, the Xe Forty and the C Forty. We've just released a brand new Ex Thirty, which which is which is coming in at a price point of thirty-five thousand euros with five hundred or almost five hundred kilometer range, um, and then we've released our Ex Ninety, which is at the top end of the uh, Over model range as well. So yeah, I think uh, I think it's, it's it's validation that the the electric market is really now starting to come of age, and we're starting to see those who move early. Uh, I think are going to be rewarded for for taking that stance, and I think we'll be one of those companies.
0: There's this other situation, and I'll allude to the ex 30 in a few moments, where people are saying, look that tesla is destroying the margins of everyone by cutting the prices so aggressively in order to gain market share over the medium to long term i hear what you're saying about the ex-30 and i think it's fascinating in your commentary today you say expected gross margins on the car in the range of 15 to 20 percent well that would match what tesla is getting as well so again on the margin side of the ledger as well you'd refute the fact that the oems are struggling in europe
3: yeah, because if you look at what we've done over the last two or three years, we've really invested heavily in the technology stack. So we're writing all of our own software that takes that that looks to the perception stack, which is basically the ADAS, and and we'll we'll be as capable, I think, as anyone else on the full AD stack as well. But we've also been investing heavily in electrical propulsion. We've brought in house our own development of e-motors, which has given us extended range and much more efficiency. We're investing in battery technology. We're investing in, in in inverter technology with you know technology such as silicon carbide, and we're bringing all that together with our own software. So yeah, I think we're I think we've uh, we've seen the benefits that the combination of a really solid hardware company that really understands how to build high quality premium vehicles, and then augmented that uh, over recent years with development of our software and our, our electrification uh, journey.
1: Jim, we are in an aggressive interest rate cycle and investors are wondering if there's a recession still around the corner. We're watching very closely some of the spending patterns by consumers. Any sense in the latest quarter that you've got more cautious consumers to deal with?
3: Yeah, this is something that we keep an incredibly uh, watchful eye on Um, and our demand remains robust um, globally. Of course, there's patches, you know, in, in different parts of the world where it's a little bit softer than others. But for the best part the overwhelming demand for our existing products and when we released the ex30 and the ex90 our two new uh, fully electric vehicles the pre-orders for that has exceeded our expectations as well so i think people who who want to own a volvo and what volvo stands for which is safety sustainability human-centric technology and the fact that we can now offer that in a fully electric package as well that's that's our customer base it's a loyal customer base and we're seeing, you know, we're being rewarded uh, by that by that loyal customer base as we move towards full electrification. So, basically, that means that we, we can maintain our premium price discipline, um, which of course is which of course is great for our our margin structure.
1: I want to quiz you about supply chain as well, because every quarter there seems to be some sort of issue that's cropping up here. Semiconductors at one point, now the lithium price issue here is another. What comes next? What else do we need to think about as wildcard factors in supply chains for EVs?
3: Yeah, so we saw lithium. Last year, we saw lithium spike quite dramatically. That's now come down substantially from its peak. It went from about 10 to about $110 per kilo, and now it's down you know, below uh, somewhere between 30 and 40 So we're starting to see that normalise, and I think that will keep reducing through the course of this year. Semiconductors were patchy last year, much, much better this year. And in fact, that's shown in our output. We manufactured over uh, 50% more cars this quarter than we did in the same quarter last year last year that was affected by semiconductors as you mentioned but it was also affected by the COVID lockdowns if you remember shanghai was locked down for almost 60 days we had a lot of the suppliers in shanghai and 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 that was an effect there so we're seeing that bounce back really quickly for us we've also been investing pretty heavily in our supply chain resilience um, as well as adding supply chain analytics and supply chain tools It's allowed us just to add a little bit more robustness and, of course, that's helped us as well. As for what's ahead of us, um, you know, who knows? Um, there's definitely, There will always be something. But I think we've proven that we're, you know, by adding that extra supply chain resilience, hopefully we're, we'll be able to cope with whatever comes at us.
0: Uh, Jim, we've got our technology correspondent as well. And then we're just looking at the crossover between OEMs and technology. And that's why we brought him on set to talk Tesla. He's got a question for you.
2: Yeah, Jim, I just wanted to talk because, uh, sorry to go back to Tesla, but look, on the earnings call, there was a lot of talk about the investment in AI, investment in supercomputing, the fact that Tesla's building up a full self-driving software and and the billions going into that kind of investment. Um, It will be very difficult in terms of the amount of investment uh, that Tesla's making for for European automakers to compete. So on the technology front, um, how will you look to compete with, with companies like Tesla that are putting technology at the heart of their business?
3: Yeah, I think we have technology right at the heart of our business as well. But you've got to make decisions, one, for speed, and two, obviously, for investment profiles. What do you make versus what do you buy? Uh, We've been very conscious of those choices. So, for example, we think that silicon and high computational silicon is something that you can buy. And we have have fantastic partners in the likes of NVIDIA and Qualcomm for that. Uh, And so we don't build our own silicon. I don't think there's the need to do that. Um, but we do write all of the software that connects the silicon layer with the application layer. And that application layer, if we take the safety stack, goes to LIDARs, radars, cameras, and, of course, in our case, LIDAR as well. Um, so the EX30 will be the first our first product which has LIDAR as standard uh, when, that's, when that's released uh, next year. And the, the amount of investment that we're putting in to write that whole safety stack uh, software is... Um, you know, I think we'll position us as as one of the few companies there that that actually are in control of their own software stack when it comes to the safety layer.
1: Jim, I'm on page three of your release today and it says that you're the first European car maker to sign a deal to give current and future electric Volvo car drivers access to Tesla's supercharger network. Does that mean there are future deals here that you would also consider using Tesla's autonomous driving technology in future?
3: Now, as I said, we, we've already made that decision in terms of what we want to control internally in terms of the, the our technology stack. And we've chosen that we want to be in full control of our ADAS all the way up to full AD software. Um, so we'll continue to write that, we'll continue to invest in that, and we'll continue to develop that. Sitting on top of the silicon, which we think we've found great partners for, that gives us a high computational power. They make the investment in the silicon, we make the investment in the software. And that comes together for us, I think, in a, in a nice package that adds value to our customers.
0: I'll ask you a, d- a different kind of question to end this interview as well. If, hypothetically, one of the anchors of this show had a 14-year-old Volvo V70 that has done 160,000 miles and is absolutely, and I'm going to say this, Uh, going great guns. Is it greener for me to A, keep that, or the other anchors that would be, uh, to keep that uh, 14-year-old V70, which is basically worth nothing but is a fantastic vehicle, or buy buy a brand new green electric Volvo? I mean, from from production line to crusher, which is the greener alternative? Me hanging on to the car I've got or buying a brand spanking new car that actually may be greener in terms of its mileage and its emissions, and yet, obviously, it costs a lot in terms of the environment uh, to create this vehicle?
3: Yeah, so we've been, as you know, we've been we've been um, investing in reducing our CO two footprint. In fact, the, the EX thirty is that, that will be the lowest footprint CO two footprint car uh, that we've we'll produced. Our ambition is that we would reduce that CO two footprint by forty percent when you take that ba- when you, by two thousand and twenty five when you take that to a baseline of two thousand and eighteen. Let me answer that a different way. If you look at an internal combustion engine, it roughly is about 35 percent efficient. When you look at our new electrical propulsion engines at Volvo, we're between 92 to 95 percent efficient. That, and that's a massive data point when you look at life, the life cycle analysis of a, of a production of a, of a car.
0: It's the the fact that the production's getting greener, which is the selling point for a lot of people now as well, rather than uh, the the life cycle not being as green because of the uh, concerns previously about production. Jim, I always love chatting to you. Thank you very much indeed. We all love chatting to you, and I know you have a busy day, and obviously you're fitting us in, so we appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Jim Rowan, the CEO of Volvo Cars. I I think that's fascinating. Now, the, the mere fact that you are part of that interview now, because you're our technology guy rather than our auto guy, I think is speaking volumes. Uh, about what's happening in this industry, I really do. Do you
1: think the audience has worked out the, the, the question as to who was driving the, the Volvo for 14 years? I don't know if Arjun I believe was it's driving be 14 years ago. I believe it's a V7. B- <laughs> <laughs> it this, is, this
0: is the point. And I, I mean, no but It's, it's, it's worth nothing, so it's, I'm not selling the car of it. But the thing is, when you've got a vehicle that there's nothing wrong with it that you know will get your family made to be safely, yeah. and, and it is a workhorse. Why would you buy a new car?
1: We've had this conversation about around the And Consumerism
0: set. is about as much in the air. Well, you else. know how a
1: lot of viewers ask us what are you talking about in the outbreak with the guest host, or the guests? Often we're talking about cars, and one of the conversations we had at Nauseam really offset was do you keep the car? Do you just drive it into the ground? Do you wait till it uh, can be effectively just carted oh, know, away so, and then the you buy an electric car? your
0: car as well? That's the other point
1: as well. A lot yeah. of people
2: are also debating the worth
0: of getting an electric car. Uh, is the infrastructure good enough, etc., etc.? That's a big concern still. Yeah, which we for once didn't raise. Um, stay for two seconds. I know Will's trying to get rid of you, the director, um, but I just want to give Nokia's update. And I think in parts it's worrying. Um, Karen has talked to me previously about the latest morning, but they say they're seeing a significant decline in major North American operators' investments. I think that's this huge. This is the
1: same as Ericsson. Second
0: quarter 2023, mobile networks grew 1% on a reported and 5% on a constant currency basis, Um, that's not great to see, is it? A decline in fixed networks driven by fixed wireless access and some modest inventory management as well. So we're basically seeing one of the biggest telecoms infrastructure players saying, actually, our major customers in our major market are not buying. It's that, for a, me, is, is like, huge.
1: It's a mirror image of the Ericsson numbers the other week. So, effectively, you had a slowdown that North America spent. But the market that compensated for the sales was really the India market. And we're seeing exactly what these companies are doing. They're going after that growing market. They're trying to pivot away from North America. But don't forget, a lot of the 5G investments were made very early on in the North American market. So, it is a natural slowing down that's taking place. That's right. And
2: India has been very much still on the 4G networks for some time. So, that investment's happening. Happening in India now, as they ramp up 5G. I think the other thing is, as you mentioned, those investments in 5G have been made. We've talked so much about whether the, the operators here of these telecom ne- networks are seeing those return on investments. And the at this answer point. is no. Well, no,
1: no, no, no. The, that's on, different. Karen. No, 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 there are two categories here. Network sales being one of them, and that's where you are seeing the slowing uh, numbers. No, the next number is on enterprise customers. And if you look at the Ericsson numbers, for instance, enterprise had stepped up, and that's where you talk about new cases for Show me the margin on putting
0: the infrastructure in place, and I'm still yet to see it on 2G, 3G, 4 Anyway, look, let's leave that there for the moment. Um, but it took way too long <laughs> of to our be on set. But if for no other reason, the fact that you two got the memo and I didn't. Do <laughs>
1: you <don't> want to <laughs> talk about today, the memo?
0: This was unplanned. Thursday we were, yeah. Yellow.
1: Did we Thursday? is uh, we wear pink. Coming <laughs> up on the show.
0: Have I got the wrong day for pink?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a
0: start, I don't pink own yellow clothing.
1: Coming up on the show. Campaigning is in full swing ahead of Spain's general election on Sunday. We're going to cross live to the southern city of Seville, a region that has been reflective of the Socialist Party's struggles in the polls. At 8 o'clock, CET will get the latest numbers from EasyJet. The airline sector has enjoyed a strong 2023 so far as travel demand roars back. But the UK budget airline has struggled recently with a spate of cancellations. And also on the earnings front, we'll get second quarter results from the fragrance maker Givadon. Don't miss that conversation with the CEO, Gilles André, at 8.05 CET.
0: Goldman Sachs shares closed higher Wednesday despite the bank posting a 60% slump in second quarter earnings. A lot of it was flagged, wasn't it, really? Uh, quarterly profit came in at $1.2 billion uh, or just over 3 bucks a share. Do you remember this time yesterday we were saying, look, we don't know if it's going to be negative per share or $5 per share. Well, that's uh, above the average, isn't it, uh, 3 bucks per share. Uh, this after it booked some $1 billion in impairment charges from its Green Sky acquisition as well as uh, from real estate write-downs, but investors welcome remarks from CEO David Solomon that The bank is seeing a pickup in investment banking activities. Karen, the markets.
1: Let's take a look at some of the action we saw stateside. A lot of earnings rolling through and, of course, having a dramatic impact on the numbers and what we've got on the Dow. About a third of a percent high. hundred odd points to the upside, uh, modestly in the green for the S&P, only just for the Nasdaq, telling you about the earnings reaction crossing. Now, over the course of the trading week, we've still tallied up some gains. It's been more modest versus last week. About 1.6 now, the extent of the gains for the Dow over the trading week for the Nasdaq to the tune of about 1.7%. But just worth noting, it has been a fairly terrific trading pattern for the banks this week on the back of all those earnings, the wash up reaction. We've had about eight positive sessions in nine, about two and three quarters of a percent on those big banking stocks. But there has been an undercurrent here for markets and that is that the retail investor is back and they're buying a lot of uh, the very speculative parts of this market. Take a look at the VIX by comparison. You can see just how low we are at 13.76 on the fear gauge, even though we picked up a little bit of the Volatility yesterday. It is from an ultra-low level, and you can see exactly how this is playing out. The meme stocks are back. It's not just technology. Investors have been buying the Fang stocks, the AI story, meme stocks have rallied hard over the course of this year. Uh, you can see uh, the extent of the gains. It's a two-year, perhaps the one-year is the more telling story. We had gains of 67% so far this year on the meme stock ETF. So uh, very strong levels here, and we're talking about Bitcoin miners on this meme ETF. The likes of. Ryan platforms, a couple of AI uh, platforms in there too, Upstart Holdings, Coinbase Global is there, an electric car maker. Rivian, it is telling you just what investors are doing when it comes to some of these meme stocks. And uh, you can see in terms of the performance, uh, this is what we've got on Bitcoin over the course of the year. The tech story often is linked to Bitcoin and there has been a rally taking place in Bitcoin. Uh, the gains of this year, 81.5%. Who would have thought as we kicked out, kicked off 2023 and we talk about a crypto winter that with uh, Bitcoin and all the issues we've seen and the plumbing, the various players, that there would be an 81.5% bounce on Bitcoin, Steve?
0: Yeah. You're tempting me down a road, but I've got to move on elsewhere. All I would say is I think the uh, crypto winter is alive and well on the volume front, but we'll come back to this one because we've got to move on. Uh, Microsoft and Activision have delayed the deadline to complete their merger by three months, giving companies until October the 18th to resolve remaining regulatory hurdles. The UK's Competition and Markets Authority says it will finish its extended consideration of the deal by the end of August, and an administrative judge is due to hear the FTC's case against the deal. Microsoft and Activision agreed to raise the termination fee to as much as $4.5 billion, and Activision shareholders will receive a special 99-cent dividend. Activision CEO Bobby Kotick told CNBC he's confident of resolving the CMA's concerns.
3: The
2: UK recognizes that they have an opportunity to continue to be a leader in the video game industry, and I think we're going to end up seeing a uh, reasonable resolution, and hopefully it'll be quickly.
3: Well, yeah, What's quickly? Next 45 days?
2: Um, I, I don't see any reason why it, sh- it shouldn't be able to happen that quickly. But, you know, it's hard to know. Uh, it's government. It's, you know, the summer. But I think that there's a good faith effort to work through all the issues in the Opportunities, and I think that we'll come to a quick resolution. Uh,
0: the FTC chair for her part, Lena Khan, told CNBC the regulator will continue to pursue appeals when it thinks the law has been wrongly applied.
2: We fully believe in our robust system of judicial review. Uh, I won't be able to comment on any specific matters, but generally, uh, if we get an adverse decision from a district court, we look very closely at it uh, to determine whether we think there were any Um, errors of law or misapplication of law uh, that we think warrant appeal, Um, and so those are the types of assessments that we undertake as we make these decisions. Uh, There are a whole set of instances in which the FTC has not moved forward with an appeal, uh, but in instances where it has, uh, sometimes quite successfully, uh, it's always because we believe that there was
1: um, a, a misapplication of the law or further clarification of the law that needs to be done. Apple shares hit a record high on Wednesday, gaining over 2% following a report. The tech giant is working on its own generative AI tools. Apple has built its own large language model framework and is working on a chatbot reportedly called Apple GPT. Apple has so far lagged behind rivals in the AI rush, but its announcements sent shares in Microsoft, Alphabet and NVIDIA lower.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.